Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for this inaugural episode of the Jonah 39 Patriot podcast. The Jonah 39 Patriot, we are we are working to understand where our faith as Christians in 21st century America and our civics, how they how they can mold and better understand how we can be uh, robust Christians in our time and in our nation. Uh, perhaps you're familiar with the Jonah 39 Patriot newsletter. If you are, thank you so much for for having read any or all of the uh, editions. Uh, we hope and pray that that the newsletter has been a blessing to you or is being a blessing to you. If you are not familiar with the newsletter already, I'd like to go ahead and provide you the email address. It would be the Jonah39Patriot at gmail.com. There is no traditional uh, punctuation in that email, just the Jonah39Patriot at gmail.com. For this inaugural episode, I wanted to uh, touch on that verse, Jonah 39, for a second. In the King James Version, it reads, Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? The the beauty of this verse and why it was chosen as the headline for the newsletter and now this podcast, this verse is the king of Nineveh talking. If you know the story of Jonah, God told Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh and to preach that destruction was pending. And, of course, at first he decided otherwise, tried to go to another city, swallowed by a whale or great fish. A lot of us know this story from growing up in church. And at length, God spared his life being swallowed by that fish. And then he went ahead and went to Nineveh and preached. And it turned out that apparently the heart of the, the hearts of the people of the city and the king even were tender and ready to consider repentance. And so in response to Jonah's message, the king says, who can tell if God will turn or repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not. And we, we American Christians, we do have opportunities to influence our government. We know from the Bible that government can see the light. Government can, the people leading government, can be moved to repent. And so... Knowing that from the Bible and knowing that as American Christians in the 21st century with our opportunities to vote and, and otherwise, that we do have opportunities to impart the gospel, to preach the gospel to our leaders, to our elected officials. Therefore, we do have these opportunities. Now, now as Christians, our first allegiance and our first responsibility is to God. To know the Bible, and so the us here at the Jonah Three Nine Patriot, we are not trying to to take anyone away from their Bible study. You of course need to have the Bible in your mind and your heart, as David wrote, "I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee." Obviously, knowing American history or the Federalist Papers or knowing the Constitution backwards does not strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ. And of course, that's what our our goal is as Christians. However, 
there are things that we can know about the here and now that are going on that we could influence, but that could also uh, earn judgment from God. As we saw repeatedly, Sodom and Gomorrah, Israel itself would receive would receive punishments for how they how they would fail to walk with God, even though God's told them specifically to do. In in the specific case of American history, some of our previous leaders understood understood that that how a nation conducts itself is directly related to whether or not we are blessed or cursed from God. In fact, George Washington, in his farewell speech, uh, dated September 19, 1796, wrote, The propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the, ex- the eternal rules of right and order which heaven itself has ordained. Obviously, he was a man of piety, and obviously he was a man that feared God. And so, from his perspective, if there was to be blessings from God, from heaven, well, how can that be expected or even hoped for if we are going to fail to to walk with God in our civil discourse? And President George Washington was not the only one to, to see this. The 20th president, James Garfield, is president in 1881, he said, Now more than ever, the people are responsible for the character of their Congress. Now, he was president in 1881, so this is, this is wisdom from the 19th century talking. The, the, our representatives in Congress, people in the Senate, president, in a more indirect sense, these governing bodies do represent the the character or that which is acceptable to the general population. If the, his quote also said, if the people, if the people accept non-immorality, non-moral things, then that's going to reflect. Where do our senators, where do our representatives at any level of government, where do they come from? The dinner tables of America. Or if they did come from outside the United States, they have still been influenced by American culture. So is American culture trying to walk in step with God, or is it not? It is going to be reflected in most directly the House of Representatives, maybe less directly the U.S. Senate, and directly the executive branch. And we know this because that's where these people come from. We do not have a ruling class in the United States like perhaps other countries do. And so because of that because of that direct that direct uh, influence that we can have on the government of the United States, there is the responsibility. Another voice, Charles Finney, said, Christians must vote for honest men and take consistent ground politics, or the Lord will curse them. Again, because we can, therefore, should we not? If we had these opportunities, how do we know that that not taking advantage of these opportunities would not would not draw judgment, would not draw punishment, would not draw draw the consequences that God does that the Bible does show God giving to different nations? We are we are Christians. We understand the Great Commission. 
Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Yes, it is imperative that we as Christians are reaching the lost with the gospel. Yes, that is our first priority. But Christian, let me let me ask let me ask you to consider something as well. In the book of Jude, the third verse, he wrote to exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. The, the, the curious aspect of the United States is that, and we're starting to see this more and more and more, so many aspects of life are beginning to have maybe not impact on the political realm, but that the political realm may be having, having influence on every single realm of life. Is that a negative? Yeah, technically. It is a becoming a fact of where we're at in this country. And because of that, are we at liberty to to try to steer clear of traditionally separate items from our religion? Places to steer clear from places that before maybe we could have not dealt with before. If you look at the book of Proverbs real quick, we'll notice that chapter 30, verse 28, the spider taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. Spider. How small is a spider? It can swat a spider, slap a spider. Not hard. Very easy. But yet, that spider taketh hold in her hands can be in king's palaces. What what more of a protected establishment could would a king's... What could be more protected than a king's palace? Or think of nowadays some of our um, some of our uh, government buildings and things like that. You know, you're going to have the best pest control. You're going to have best security. You're going to have all these great things. But, but, you know, all these security protocols and such. But what prevents a lizard from getting in through a window? What prevents the spider, as the verse says? What prevents a spider from getting in? What prevents ants? What prevents these little insects? As Christians who are exhorted to earnestly contend for the faith, it is these these little spiders that have been getting in for years and decades that are starting to build their nests. And perhaps Christians in times past could have could have said, you know, that's the civic arena over there, and you know, we, we're salt and light over here, and that just that just uh, mires up our witness. And yet, our witness is continually more and more and more being evaluated against the backdrop of civics, of politics, in ways that perhaps it wasn't 100 years ago, 200 years ago at the founding. Another aspect that I believe is helpful to consider, again, these, these are observations. If, you, if you're listening to this or you're reading the, the newsletter and you, and you want to disagree with any of it, I welcome you to. And not just because I want want to debate with anybody, but because we already know that Paula, Paula exhorted us to let our speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that we may be able to answer any man. If you're going to disagree with anything said in this podcast or anything said in the in the newsletter, okay, good. At least you are polishing your answers. At least you are. At least you are chewing on these different aspects. You know, it can only help to make you more robust in your faith, better able to answer as, I mean, the, the 
New Testament writer said that we were in the end times. We know that, that things will become more and more muddied, more and more confusing. And so the more that you are engaging these questions, it can only make you more robust in your faith, make you more well-versed in what the Bible says, help to strengthen your understanding, all these good things. And so if you disagree with anything said here or anything written, please investigate for yourself. Do your research. It can only strengthen you in your walk with Jesus Christ. I believe. I would like to present another thought, another or another set of thoughts maybe, in regard to American civics in the 21st century. One thing about the New Testament, scholars believe that it was written prior to 70 AD. Obviously life has changed a bit in that amount of time. An obvious example would be, hey, there were no automobiles back then, right? But we have automobiles today. Would, would Paul or Peter or John have driven a Toyota or a Chevy? Don't know. Would they have driven an automobile? We don't know. They didn't exist yet. But automobiles are a very uh, important part of a 21st century Christian's life. Are they not? At least in the United States, some other countries as well. A lot of things are different. And we likely need to be able to understand and act on those differences. The, the political structure in the days of Paul were such and such that perhaps the apostles did not have much influence or could not have much influence. However, however, even John the Baptist was calling out one of the civic leaders for, I believe it was adultery, some, some, some marital uh, indiscretion. They knew the law, and they, the apostles knew the old law, and when it was not being followed, they would push against it. We have even more opportunity to keep our government, keep our country accountable to, the, to those laws, even more than what the apostles had. That is part of the, the cultural change between the New Testament, when the New Testament was drafted, and today. And there are so many other differences. The languages of the New Testament were, say, Aramaic or Greek, reading from the Hebrew or maybe Latin or whatever it might have been. The English language would not have even, was not even a thought then, and so we're reading the, the writings of Paul in Romans in a language that did not exist when Paul was writing it. There are always changes. There are always cultural changes. Uh, Republican government, constitutional government, these, these things that we have today, these forms of government that we have today, were not even a thought in those days. There's aspects of the Constitution that were not invented until the 17th or 18th century. So obviously they were not factored into Paul's letter to the Romans or his letters to the Corinthians. And so I believe it is very important that Christians have as, as strong as a, of an understanding of what is going on there here and now so that and then of course you have to have a strong understanding of the Bible as well in order to in order to uh, interpret or, or to translate the the truths in the Bible to nowadays but just because some things nowadays can be more confusing does not mean that we cannot translate the truths then to now. 
That's what the Holy Spirit is there to do, right? So with this this uh, first episode of this podcast, I ask you to consider how can Christians take the wisdom from 2,000 years ago, wisdom that was written down 2,000 years ago, and events and scenarios from 2,000 years ago, and translate them to now. Yes, we are to preach the gospel. How does earnestly contending for the faith pass to us from the saints? How does that translate to today? Thank you so much for listening to this inaugural episode. God bless you.